This is the Hope for the Hood podcast, brought to you by Prodigal Sons Incorporated. Welcome back to the Hope for the Hood podcast. It's another beautiful day here in sunny Southern California. (laughs) Uh, Hope you guys are well. Um, You know, I know many of you are in SoCal, NorCal. Who knows where you are? But we're here today with Danny and our special friends, the Woos. So, yeehaw. Yeah. Paul and Marissa Wu, to be specific. (laughs) Specific. Yeah. You know, these guys are are good friends of ours from church. I've known them for, what, maybe uh, some number of years. And uh, recently it was fun because we got to share uh, just some focused time together in our equipping group. We do... As prodigal, we do these equipping groups called Loving Gang Neighbor. Is that what it's called, Danny? I feel like we're still working on the title. No, it's it's switched up a couple times. So I think we've had like five different names, yeah. and we've only done yeah. the group twice. Yeah. Let's just say it's an equipping group to help love gang members and learn how to develop the heart to love it. But there will be a title more specifically. At yeah. Some point. If you have <laughs> a, a, a title recommendation, yeah. you can email me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I digress. Why? What are we doing here, Danny? Um, yeah, we're just sitting here with our friends today to have a conversation, Paul and Marissa. Um, they have been, uh, one or two of probably close to about 50 different people from Cornerstone West Los Angeles and Cornerstone South Bay that have participated in one of these equipping groups. And we're kind of, it's not necessarily, oh, what'd you learn in the equipping group? But it's just, there's things that have happened in their life and in their context and in their community where they like all these things that some of this stuff that we've talked about in equipping groups and just work of the Lord in general has, um, has unfolded for them and more specifically, more currently present day right now. Uh, I think sometimes when we do our podcasts, we're kind of giving perspectives and thoughts on like a lot of past situations Mm -hmm. and, you know, but right now there's a lot currently going on specifically where they live and they'll dive into all that and stuff. So, but yeah, we're excited to have you guys on and yeah, guys, welcome to the show. Thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah. Hello. Hey. Hey, what's going awesome. on? Yeah. Hey, so tell us, I mean, so we know you guys, but, um, fill our folks in who are listening just like, where are you guys from? A little bit about your background. Um, who are you? Yeah, um, my name is Paul. I've um, been coming to Cornerstone since fall of 2018. Uh, born and raised in LA, uh, specifically grew up in parts of, well, specifically Echo Park, Chinatown, uh, and also Glendale. And so my dad had a, a small business, or still does have a small business in, in Echo Park. And so definitely spent a lot of time in my childhood, both in Echo Park and also in Chinatown. And so uh, currently, Marissa and I, my wife Marissa and I, both uh, we live in Lincoln Heights, which is, uh, gosh, give or take, fourteen, fifteen miles away from Cornerstone. Mm. Nice. We're like nineteen. Well, <laughs> I Google <laughs> Map you. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> just, just set the road straight. Just to be, you know, extra yeah. four miles just are important. <laughs> adds to yeah. the ETA. Anyways, cool. So you guys, I mean, so you live in Lincoln Heights now, and how long have you guys been married? Just a little for three years now. How'd that, how'd that happen? Especially for all our uh, people who are looking to, you know, find their significant other. We want to hear how that. We <laughs> met each other through, this is not a plug for Coffee Meets Bagel, but it was my first time on the app. Somebody suggested, how about a dating app? Nice. And Paul, I was Paul's, what, third? Third bagel coffee bean. I don't know what you call those. And we met in Pasadena. We Shared testimonies for a couple hours, and the rest is history. Wow. Nice. Awesome. I never knew that part of your story. Wait, really? I didn't either. Yeah. Oh. I thought you guys met at, like, school or something. Yeah. No. Yeah. Wow. Do you guys know that he's also six years older than me? Wow. You look <laughs> so young. <laughs> or you, yeah. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> but we Very digress. Cool. Uh, we digress. Uh, so, so you guys, so you live in Lincoln Heights. You, uh, you guys work, go to school. What's your kind of week to week what do you do yeah i work i work out in san Bernardino. uh i'm a manager in the government sector and so uh just you know with with covid and everything um just been commuting to the office just once a week and just teleworking you know the rest of the time cool a little bit about me um 
So I was actually adopted at six months. I was born in China, and my parents, who are Asian-American, adopted me, brought me to Azusa, and that's where I was raised. Mm. And um, pretty much I wasn't a Christian until I was about in teenage years. And um, in Azusa, there is a gang called the Azusa 13 there. Mm. So I just wanted to kind of bring up the fact that I was aware of this gang, but like never really... uh, heard too much more about it. Um, And now, uh, just to kind of fast forward to now as uh, being married to Paul and everything, I'm a graduate student in speech language pathology. Got one more year left. Just got to finish. Nice. I'm counting down the 10 more months. (laughs) And um, yeah, and I'm just interested in working with babies, maybe older people. But yeah, right now we're, I'm just going to school at Cal State LA. and that's also part of the reason why Lincoln Heights was such a perfect location for mm-hmm. us. Um, mm-hmm. His parents live in Chinatown, so we're close to them. We can help them out. It's not too far from Azusa for me to help out my parents. Mm-hmm. And it's only like about four-ish miles from Cal State LA. So it was just convenient. And when we moved into the community, it was very much like, okay, uh, I came from a suburb in Azusa where it was like a little more polished, like the more suburban side of Azusa. Mm-hmm. Um, then I come to Lincoln Heights and I was like, Ugh, street cleaning and <laughs> fireworks every day. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's even last night, we had a whole bunch of fireworks and it's, like, it's the middle of October. It's Fourth of July every day in LA. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> so certain parts especially. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember like telling Paul how I wasn't really like used to this and like, I don't know how I'm going to get used to living Mm. in Lincoln Heights because it's so much more urban. It's one of the oldest, um, actually it is the oldest neighborhood in Los Angeles. Um, I had a date, Mm. it's in the 1800s and then I lost it. But (laughs) yeah, it was, it's, it used to be a community of, uh, I believe Italian and Irish Irish. immigrants. Mm -hmm. Um, And as of now there, you don't really see much trace of that. It's a predominantly Hispanic Mexican American community now. Um, but yeah, I just remember thinking to myself, like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to find, feel comfortable um, and really adjust to this. Mm. In the beginning, this was fall of 2019, and I just started some post-bac classes at Cal State LA. Um, but I think eventually, as time went on, we got to know the community a little bit more because we spent more time in it. We were home all the time because, mm. you know, six months after we got married, seven months after the pandemic hit. We're home all the time. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, that's kind of the start of like Lincoln Heights or the beginning yeah. of what it was like to be there. Yeah. That's awesome. Also, just side plug, Marissa makes a bomb cheesecake. Just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> just FYI. She's made cheesecake a couple of times for like birthdays or people's. Just special occasions. I think one lucky listener is going to be receiving a cheesecake in the mail. Pandemic. Yeah, it's going to be me. I'm listening. That, oh, I was going to. I was going to say that joke too. It's <laughs> good. But, see. No, uh, thanks for sharing that and kind of getting the the ball rolling a little bit on like what, um, where you guys grew up, where you guys are from, and uh, yeah, like to give our listeners some context too. If you're not from SoCal, like. Lincoln Heights is like kind of just northeast of yeah. downtown. Yeah, basically. considered northeast LA. Yeah, yeah, northeast LA. It's like just north of Boyle Heights, um, near not near not far from Highland Park. Like it's kind of sandwiched in there. And Azusa is San Gabriel Valley. It's like right at the foothills mm-hmm. of the Santa Monica or San Bernardino Mountains. Very close to Azusa. Azusa yeah, Pacific APU. University. Azusa so. Pacific University. Yeah, exactly. So um, you guys, like you guys shared some of that where you guys grew up. Um, and uh, Marissa, you kind of already touched on it a little bit, but for both of you, what was like the gang influence in the Echo Park area or Glendale or Chinatown, if there was any in any of those areas and obviously Azusa? Um, yeah. What was the influence like when you guys, even at a young age, just being Angelinos, even familiar with it at that age? Yeah, for me, um, Echo Park, I, re- I recall my childhood seeing a lot of just graffiti graffiti mm-hmm. on the streets and um it was a neighborhood where my parents pretty much when sun when you know when the sun set my parents always discouraged us from from being outside mm. and so it, it was yeah and and much of it was just 
what my parents instilled into us. Yeah. Uh, just that, you know, when the sun's down, when it's, when it's dark in Echo Park, it's not the place to be at night. Mm-hmm. Um, Chinatown, same, same goes just because, yeah. you know, we, we, we were always inside yeah. uh, when it was dark. Uh, same thing with Glendale as well. Yeah. Yeah. Echo Park kind of, I know it's gentrified heavily right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's gentrifying, gentrified. And um, Echo Park had a a major like reputation and, and just, I think it was in a movie called i think it was me meet a look or something like that like there was a movie based off of it mm-hmm. there was like echo park was just like i i went to a private school in the valley like near granada hills or northridge and people there were like knew about echo park way out there and stuff so echo park kind of had this so as you're sharing that paul like this you narrative. got cred street cred <laughs> well, no the narrative of your parents saying like don't go after dark like that's it makes complete sense, yeah. especially if you mm-hmm. only know what Echo Park is today. So, sorry, Marissa. I mean, I think he was surrounded more uh, mm-hmm. around that. Um, in Azusa, it's, um, I mean, pe- like I said, people talked about it. At my school, there was like a crowd of people who might, you might think might be affiliated with a gang. But it's a very small group because it wasn't like heavily, like huge presence around um my high school area, though I did look up that like there was activity around the time that I was in high school, specifically like there was like um, from the Azusa 13 gang, mm-hmm. there was discrimination against specifically um, the black people in the community mm-hmm. and that yeah. there a whole group of them were arrested. And I was like, I don't remember hearing about this. Yeah. Um, at least from my parents or the news or anything, but I looked at the dates. It was like 2008 to 2011. I was like, I was in high school all those Mm. years, but I was not aware of that. And, but just to hear about that, it's like, Oh, this is pretty legit, but I didn't really know much about that. And the the high school I went to is like, um, like borderline Azusa Covina. So Mm. I don't know so much if there was a lot of affiliation because of the fact that my school was in the Azusa school district but sitting in Covina though. Yeah. So yeah, Azusa, when you like in LA with the suburbs, like not everything is always, and I'm not saying Azusa was like a rundown suburb or anything like that, but there's like, it's not like a suburb isn't, we always think white pick fence and birds chirping and nice trees and like, like that's true in our suburbs, like in LA, but a lot of them have fallen under the influence of gang activity out here, Azusa being one of them. And a lot of these gangs have been around for a long time. And I know even recently, I mean, I think you guys were already gone, but like a couple years ago, there was like a major gang war that broke off in Azusa with another gang, I think from like East LA that transplanted over there. And there was like multiple people getting shot and killed over Mm -hmm. there, like um, all kind of around, like not far from APU actually, yeah, like right outside of um, APU. Um, And it's just, yeah, like people could go there to APU. I'm sure we have a lot of Christian listeners who are familiar with that. And like, this is the context of the community around there it's not just oh the bubble of college campus life it's real life that's being taken and difficulties and all that right there so so well even if just wanted to kind of piggyback off what you're saying even the apu community versus like the rest of azusa like there's there's parts of azusa that are the nicer parts more northern part of azusa there's just little pockets here that are not as quote-unquote nice Mm -hmm. um and then for the people who come into APU, it's predominantly like white, sort of Asian are now coming in, but mm-hmm. it's like you, the mo- most of the community is predominantly Hispanic right now. Um, so I think I'm just trying to say that there's, there's a difference of when you have people coming in, there's mm-hmm. a, there, there are changes around that APU area that have become a little bit more gentrified to cater towards the college students. The college students. Yeah. That, as a child, um, those it wasn't as nice, but now as I got older, they really changed the whole area to yeah. look a little bit more nicer, more suburby yeah. in that sense. Yeah. yeah. And these communities, just FYI, we're not like talking bad about them like they're eyesores. They're not. This is just some of the realities of mm-hmm. our city. So. so, I mean, you guys, if you, sounds like you, Paul, as Marissa said, like might have a little more experience with just some of the, you know, proximity to gang culture and stuff. Um, what was that like for you growing up? Like, do you remember any? Experiences with that, or even your own perspective, um, growing up in Echo Park. Yeah, I remember a story of, of my mom saying that she had seen she was at a stop sign in Echo Park one day, and there was a a younger 
younger guy with uh, with a weapon in his hand. Mm. And I remember my mom coming back home and just so freaked out by that. And it freaked us out just to hear that too, just to hear it just just so close to, to us yeah. location-wise. Um, and so I remember just growing up, um, always kind of feeling a sense of just wanting just to hurry up and get in and get out mm. of, the, of the area. Mm. And... Um, and just, yeah, I, I recall growing up and seeing a couple of groups of, of what may possibly be uh, kids who were affiliated mm-hmm. at school. Um, and I remember just, for the most part, just kind of just keeping my distance. Mm. Just just feeling like, you know, that that's that's a group that I can't relate with. Mm. Um, and just, in my mind, I almost see them as, as uh, outcasts. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Keeping your distance is a really interesting yeah. phrase because I think that is our natural inclination, right? We want to keep our distance from anything that makes us uncomfortable, that's different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you guys have chosen, I mean, there's other reasons you talked about earlier, but there, you've chosen to move into Lincoln Heights, right? In a very similar context in some ways. Um, I think it'd be helpful if you guys could kind of unpack a little bit of just what you noticed the gang um kind of culture is in that area right now and what's what's going on if if you know um so we actually think we live really close to a home that has activity or a corner Mm. um because just just um gosh like five to seven houses down um a young teenage a teenager had passed away when we had just moved in and we kept seeing graffiti on the walls that said you know r.i.p the person's name and I remember thinking to myself, like, oof, maybe it was like a gang member died. And I don't want anything to do with that. Mm. In, in the beginning, just like what Paul said, there's this sense of wanting to be distanced from it. Not really understanding the context, what happened. I'm like, oh, that's sad. And I'd see a tagging of a basketball. So he was like into sports or something. And mm. at the time, I couldn't really humanize this name being paid tribute to on this wall mm. or the people sitting around it at, at the time because we had just moved in and it kind of felt like we're just, Paul's has said before, we're just renters here. Mm. We don't know if we can necessarily identify with this grief or this suffering. Um, and then, um, yeah, when we'd see tagging here and there and it, there wasn't as much activity when we first moved in. Um, it wasn't really until uh, recently, but, you know, I'd walk around the neighborhood and I would just see like Clover crossed out mm-hmm. or I'd see like Lincoln Heights and that'd be crossed out. And then the neighbors will have to paint over it. And then two days later, it's <laughs> yeah. it's up again. <laughs> Literally, it just yeah. it just keeps happening. And it's like, oh, every every time at this stop sign, it just yeah. can we just see that. And that's just yeah. we just like, OK, they just like tagging. Mm-hmm. We just see tagging everywhere. And sometimes we hear a lot of fireworks, but that may not even be related to yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's just yeah. people wanting to th- have fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, just a lot more of that. And we're like, okay, it doesn't seem violent, mm. but it wasn't until more recently, I guess we can get into that later. But Paul, do you have any more thoughts about what it was like kind of moving in and how it felt? No, I think you covered it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, in Lincoln Heights, you guys live in a community that's has this activity and some of the oldest gangs ever in street, when it comes to street gangs, some of the oldest gangs date back to pre 1900s from your guys' community. I think you guys have about four or five or so around there that are active in that area. And in their area, just to give you guys this context before we jump into the question of what has been currently going on, like, it's a Lincoln Heights, the way it's set up, it's, it's, it's unique because there are some hills. There's like two or three maybe busy streets and um, a lot of smaller residential streets that act as big thoroughways, though, in that community. Yeah. They're not big streets. They just they act like thoroughways in, in those areas. And normally with gangs, maybe outside of where even places like where, Brian, you used to live on 21st Street, where mm-hmm. boundaries were just like the next block over. Like where you guys are at with these gangs, there's not necessarily always these big like, oh, we're in the next community over or like the, the this big street separates this one and this one. Like, 
I've driven through there sometimes and I've seen the graffiti and I'm like, oh, I'm in their territory. And all of a sudden you hit one residential street and you see a bunch of cross house and you're like, mm. whose neighborhood am I in right now? And like, you know, and it's like, you just don't know like those invisible lines, like, and that's, that's where you guys are at. That's the context of your community and stuff. And I guess piggybacking off that now with some of the more recent stuff, like you said, Marissa, violence has upticked a lot in LA and your guys' community has been really hot and active lately. Um, maybe can you kind of just unpack some of those things? You don't have to give like names or like things like that, but kind of just explain some of the stuff that's happened recently. Yeah, most most recently there was a, and this happened, I'm not, I can't remember if it, if it took place. I, I'm going to say it probably didn't. It, it was put on a hold during the pandemic, but there was a, a fair that runs um, from one of the busiest intersection, intersections in Lincoln Heights. And uh, there's, you know, uh, it, it's straight, just a pretty much a, a it, it's just a fair with, you know, uh, carnival games, popcorn, um, th things of that nature. And uh, that that same weekend, Marissa and I were uh, driving down the street because we were trying to actually pick up something from Rite Aid. I think it was like, like an Amazon Amazon package. Yeah. Um, and we were there was so much traffic around that area. and We were really unsure why, um, but we saw a lot of just uh, yellow yellow tape uh, and we had noticed that police had blocked off several streets surrounding um, where we wanted to go in Rite Aid and so um, we were so confused and you know there were helicopters flying around and uh, eventually we got down to Broadway we noticed that Broadway's was Broadway was completely closed off but it was also it was just a complete ghost town hmm. and I turned to Marissa that night as, as we're driving I just thought I just told her like you know something must have happened because you don't you're not supposed to see an empty carnival, mm, you know, because yeah. because normally this place is packed and it's filled with people. Yeah. Um. And so we got onto the Citizen app, and that's yeah. when we started kind of getting a more, uh, kind of just got more, some more information about what what may have transpired and what happened that that night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, we also follow uh, on social media. Our community has uh, Lincoln Heights Intel. And um, that was one way we got connected more to the community in the sense that, like, the person that leads it is uh, someone who really talks about the issues that surround the local community. They're very anti-gentrification, but they also kind of report on the crimes or whatever happens. And then there was um, news that two teenagers had been shot and killed at this carnival. Mm -hmm. um, and, like... I mean, they, somebody even live streamed the fact that, like, there was a body still laying on the sidewalk mm. of one of the young men who it was just um, just a couple businesses down from where we do our, get our dry cleaning done. We're like we've walked down the street and it was very surreal to um, have this happen in a place where we've like in, to, in front of businesses that we patronize the. Um, the area that like once felt like, oh, we're just outsiders in this community renting. But now all of a sudden it kind of hit differently, um, knowing that like, oh, my gosh, you're just a teenager. Mm. Um, and like that could have we, we could have easily just been at this carnival walking around, yeah. like just wanting to see what it was like. And um, but we just saw so many family members around. I was just like, why are all these? Why are there? There's helicopters everywhere. There's cops everywhere. There's um, all this activity on the Citizen app and all of a sudden it just, it like I said, it just hit differently this time as opposed to like the time we said three years ago when I saw RIP, this this other teenager's name. Because um, this time it actually felt like, oh my gosh, someone in our community is hurting tonight. Like someone's, mm. somebody lost a son, someone lost two mm. sons tonight. And I didn't know how to um, identify with these people back then. But then after going through those equipping groups that you guys put uh, and classes that you guys put on last year, um, it's like it's like a light bulb clicked hmm. that, like, you know, we're actually surrounded by this now, and something actually happened that, you know, it's not a hundred percent clear if this was really gang related. It's possible that one of the victims was gang affiliated, but we don't. It's not like it was not fully confirmed. But yeah, you know, there's there was reactions even on the app the citizens app and or even on Lincoln Heights Intel, like you'd get people from the community saying like, this is what happens when you 
turn to, uh, you start gangbanging or like if they should, they should, if they weren't doing this or mm-hmm. if their parents did this or if we, or maybe we should just gentrify things more. Like you had so many voices going on mm-hmm. here and Paul and I were just talking about how like, wow, we, we really are starting to see this from a more like image bearer lens of like, this was just a, like these two teenage boys, 17 year olds, right? Yeah. Who lost their lives and like people around them are hurting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I could talk. I wanted to talk more about the vigil, but I don't know if you wanted to. Oh, yeah, we can we can get in that shortly here. I'm, yeah. I, I'm curious. Like, you guys have brought up a couple things that I think are really important to like double click on. Um, I think this concept of you know, oh, we're just renters here, and then what you're talking about now, where you all of a sudden are like seeing these guys as image bearers, and you brought up the equipping group, but I think I I'd love to hear you guys maybe if you can express. A little bit of like how you got from indifferent, I don't know if that's the word, or just like, oh, we live here and we'll go about like, right, to like being concerned and like almost like sad and prayerful about about what's going on in your community. Because I think that's that's a reality. You know, a lot of people who listen to this and myself included, it's like, it's easy to see yourself as, oh, I just live here. And it's almost like just a like, I kind of use this space to do my life in the broader city. So, yeah. I think it'd be really helpful. You did a good article on that, Brian. The <laughs> white noise one. Remember the, oh, the yeah. background noise? Yeah. Yeah. That's basically throw that yeah. in the yeah. show, that, show notes. But yeah, I'd yeah. love to hear that from you guys. Yeah. You know, when we first moved into neighborhood, um, I, I would say I, I kind of came at it more from a consumeristic kind of point of view where mm-hmm. for me, I'm looking at the location where it is specific on the map. And I'm, I, I really, what stood out, one of the biggest things that stood out was the fact that Lincoln Heights was so close to the campus for Marissa. You know, four yeah. down, four miles down the road, I kept kind of harping on how it's great. You can come, you can come back, <laughs> yeah. and like you can come back to home for for lunch. You can take a nap okay. and do whatever, and just be back on campus real fast. Um, and for me, it was I was working in LA and like LA County at that time. So for me, the, the commute was super short too. But um, I would say my my mindset was more of just seeing how this this could best fit and kind of be convenient for us. Um, and so from that perspective, my mindset was more of just, you know, we're, we're just renters here. I'm not too sure we're, we're you know, short-term wise, where we're going to be or long-term wise. Um, but as I felt like as, as time moved on and as the more time we spent in the neighborhood, the more, the less we felt more like renters and more we felt just a part of the community. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to just seeing the folks in our community as just, just, Random people we don't know. Um, it felt we felt more more connected, and we realized that just in these communities, behind these communities are are people, mm-hmm. and specifically people who've who've been there much longer than we have. Mm-hmm. Um, in in these communities are are people who've laid down roots, who've raised children, who've grown up there essentially. And I realized, you know, over, over the course of time, we realized that we've this community's been here before us, and we're essentially just stepping into what's already been here. Mm. And uh, with that, you know, we came to really appreciate the fact that the community has so much culture, so much character, um, really great food as well. (laughs) Uh, Of course, Dodger Stadium is close by too. So. Oh, Dodgers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's really cool to hear in terms of you, you, we live in places and you start, seeing i guess you can even say the image bearing quality right of just neighbors whether they're gang members or not you just start seeing people as people and you start paying attention especially in communities like a lincoln heights like an echo park like a venice like a lamert park all these different areas that are gentrifying now um there is like this tension a lot sometimes in these communities because there isn't this like sort of appreciation for what has been rooted down for such a long time. And I think people just come in and it can just be like, oh, I get this out of the community. They're changing it for me. But now there's an aspect that I think when people learn, like, no, like the people that have been here longest, like they matter. And it's not just, you know, they're people and they're image bearers and those those type of dynamics and stuff. And um, just to uh, continue on real quick and with some perspective here, like Marissa and Paul mentioned this carnival that happened a few, few actually it was just a few weeks ago. Um, 
and the two these two teenagers lost their life. Um, since then, I think this has all been in a two to three week span. I think three other people have been shot and killed in your guys' area. Not all of it was Lincoln Heights, but like you guys live right over the hill, literally can like walk over to Montecito Heights, like the Highland Park area. And I know there was a person in Lincoln Heights who I think was shot and killed basically on the same, like a block over from where the two teenagers were. And then also the double homicide over the hill from you guys. Um, And so it's been a very active, hot area, like I said. And um, I think when there's this context where we don't necessarily like, oh, okay, we're not involved in the gang culture. We're church members. What are we supposed to do? Um, I think the first thought is like we leap from, okay, how do I get into a relationship with a gang member? Not not, not like a dating relationship. <laughs> uh, Coffee fun meets fun. bagel. Yeah. What's, yeah. New, yeah. what's yeah. the new app called? Yeah. <laughs> no, not like that. I mean, like, you know, the connections in terms of like church trying to like care about and build those relationships and connections to to show them Christ in a sense, right? But there's other things that take place. And Marissa, you already kind of touched on this, talking about the vigil. Maybe you can shed some light on that in terms of like just some things that you guys have done. The simplicity of like following apps or mm-hmm. social media. Yeah. yeah, I'll let you get into it. Yeah, that. sure. Um, so then the, the morning after um, the two teenagers were killed, um, I was like, you know, I'm passing by the area. Like, I'm just going to pull over and I'm just going to do like a quick prayer. I'm going to try not to draw too much attention to myself. And I walk over to where the the major street is on Broadway, mm-hmm. and um, there are about, excuse me, like three or four men, kind of um, just the somber, um, lamenting air to them. There, um, so one or two of them had really watery eyes, just silent, sitting at a bus stop right in front of where uh, one of the boys had passed away, and then. Just um, camera crews and um, news news reporters ready to report on it. And just this weird dichotomy of like, mm-hmm. I'm just here to report the news and I've got this like broadcaster's voice going on. And then these men and these um, family members who are here around starting a vigil who are grieving the loss mm-hmm. of somebody. And um, I didn't, I, I didn't want to get in their way. So I just kind of stood off to the side and I just like silently prayed and um, that was the first time I started to really feel compassion um, mm. for the community and just for my neighbor and these men who may or may not be gang affiliated. I don't know. I mean, I think that in the past, if I looked at how they were dressed and I would have been like, oh, I don't know if I feel safe because, you know, if someone was shot here. I shouldn't be here, you know, mm-hmm. wh- whatever. But when I when I decided to just drive up there by myself, it's like 10 a.m. in the morning. I wasn't thinking like, oh my gosh, am I going to be safe? I was just thinking like, these men are just here. They're grieving. They're young men. And um, just as like, you know, uh, I've grieved the loss of people before. This is just another human being Mm -hmm. who expected to see their friend, their brother, their family member the next week or next day, or just to see them again. And Mm -hmm. they're in this now state of what seems like shock and um, knowing they're not, they're not going to see this person again. And when I saw that, like, it was kind of like they were really holding in the grief because usually, you know, you might see people sobbing, but he just had watery eyes. And it was just, I remember one of the guys was just still, like, just looking straight out, kind of dissociating, kind of just not really sure. And I I kind of have that picture in my mind, and that kind of stuck with me mm-hmm. of what um, someone who I may not in in the past been like, yeah, I could t- I don't relate to this guy. But in that moment... I relate in the human experience of grieving mm. the loss of somebody. Mm. And that kind of really softened my heart and it really made me think um, just, I just had this like overwhelming compassion that I didn't feel like I had necessarily before yeah. in, in a situation like this. Uh, just thinking about, I think that context, right? And what you said, you've learned the compassion in that moment for those we're weeping, weeping with those who weep, basically. That's where you guys were at. And um, I think that is probably going to shift and play a part in anything probably future that happens for you guys. I'm just guessing. I'm not trying to put it out there like it's 100%, but like the reality that like 
I think next time you guys know there's a tragedy in you guys' community, whether it's Lincoln Heights or if God leaves you guys somewhere else at some point, there's something there. I think that perspective of knowing like there's going to be people there, a, a fragment of our community right now is grieving and just knowing that. And I think that is probably going to lead, you know what I'm saying, for like, whether it's going to the vigil again or whether it's just praying for them or whatever it is, like I, I, I think those, those type of things kind of set like somewhat of a bar and a precedent if we've never been used to like putting ourselves in that perspective. Yeah. I mean, um, like usually you'll see like a GoFundMe or mm-hmm. just like um, whatever it is being posted on social media. And um, Danny, you had sent us um, a fundraiser for one of the boys that mm-hmm. was happening at one of the Mexican restaurants. So we just went by and got some takeout and oh, nice. just bought a taco plate and like awesome. didn't necessarily engage with people that were like there and that knew him. But like it was, it at least it felt like okay, this is something tangible that mm-hmm. like we can do, and like um, you know, even a, a week later, you know, you you came out to Lincoln Heights, and we walked around the neighborhood, and then we just bought some flowers for the vigil, and um, we went to one uh, the other side where the other uh, teenager had passed away. There were like two women there that were silently grieving, and um, you know, for us, it wasn't like like you said you had mentioned it wasn't the best moment to start like engaging and talking to them because they didn't seem like they were necessarily yeah. um, open to talking. And, you know, you've talked about how like, if they seem open to it, those could be opportunities to not, not necessarily just here's the gospel. Let me evangelize yeah. it at yeah. you while you're grieving, yeah. but mainly just to let them know like, Hey, like, how can I pray for you? How can I, whatever, how can I be there for you? But then there's also times when it's okay to stay silent and it's okay to just be there and you can, you can still pray for these people and recognize, you know, when is the right time to do, and you need to be sensitive to that. Um, And I think that really um, that, like you said, it set the bar for like, you know, we can show up in this tangible way to a vigil. We don't need to make a big scene about it. We don't need to be flashy about it. Even if you don't have a candle or flowers to lay down, just showing up and paying your respects and just, kind of sitting there and like you said weeping with those who weep and really just trying to be there and understand like this is this is painful for them mm-hmm. you know yeah I, I love what you guys have shared and what you guys have done it's like like you, i love the fact that you say too yeah we maybe we can't do this in this moment but we can do this i think mm-hmm. there's an aspect of like mm-hmm. oh we can't we can't do this i'm not gonna do it mm-hmm. where it's like so what can we do? Yes. What can How we do? I, I love that. I love, How can we love mm-hmm. our neighbors right now? What can we do? How can we do it? And I think that's just encouraging. And that's a, I, I love how you guys explained it too, the fact that like knowing, and we, we talked about this, right? The three of us, when we went to the vigil, like with the, those other rel- or relatives or loved ones, whoever it was that was grieving, I think standing there and just praying and not going in with like, I got to connect. Like you have to read the situations and know like what is the most loving and caring thing in this moment. And it may not be like, Hey, we're from a church. It's certain, like you said, here's a gospel track. Repent. Like they're hurting. Like you said, (laughs) Sorry, let's just say, let's just do the most insensitive things right now in the situation. I, I think it's just like, no, like maybe the most loving thing is to like, let them grieve and just we'll pray for them. I love that. I just, I remember, um, and you never know, like you said, right. I can always talk about these these things specifically because I've been a part of a lot of these different things and stuff like that, like with the vigils and all that. And so I remember, I think some years ago in the South Bay, a young teenager was killed in a drive-by. I don't think he was a gang member, but it was a gang-related shooting. And I remember, I think some people from the South Bay, uh, Pastor Zach and Ginger just stopped off. I, I encouraged them and Zach and Ginger did it. I remember they went, they didn't know really what to buy. They bought like a teddy bear. And I remember they they went and they were some of his, friends that were grieving there, crying and stuff like that. And I, if I remember correctly, um, Zach told me that I think they put the teddy bear, they didn't really engage too much with the teenager, but they they did have a little bit. And I think they gave him a hug and just offered condolences. And like those little moments, they might not seem like much going to a restaurant to do it like, you know, but it's just, we're trying to love without the recognition. We're trying to love the way Jesus loved. Like, it's not about like, Hey, like, look what I'm doing. It's we just want to love people because they're image bearers. So, uh, I think I think when you said um, that when you went to pray, it like was the first time you felt 
I don't know if you said like compassion. Like genuine, I feel genuine compassion. Like, like it wasn't just connected. like sympathy. It was actual like empathy. Yeah, I no. felt. Yeah, and it just like whoa, like no. that's that's really eye opening, even for me as I hear about because when you go before God and you're like on behalf of somebody else, it kind of puts you in like how does he see these? How does he see my neighbors? And like, why am I here? And like, what, you know, and it's like God, his spirit begins to work and like remind you of these things. Um, yeah. Just, I guess on that same note, like of just God kind of reminding you, right. Of some of these truths and, you know, giving you these opportunities. Like if you had to draw out some biblical perspectives that have maybe motivated you guys, uh, whether it's in some of this action, like with these specific examples or just, just being neighbors there for me it's um i'm just reminded of the compassion and and love of christ Mm -hmm. uh towards towards all men Mm -hmm. uh, regardless of their backgrounds um i mean culture you know in relating with folks yeah our our culture might be different or upbringing might be different but essentially at the end of the day we're still people Mm -hmm. Uh, we're still image bearers who are worthy of love Mm. of respect and care and um just because we don't share the same upbringing doesn't mean that we don't grieve that we don't have feelings that we don't have emotions mm. um yeah. i mean obviously grief affects everybody differently and everybody mourns differently um but i really just at the end of the day you know god god made us his image bearers and we we have these god-given emotions and feelings mm. um that he's that he, that he's placed within us yeah um, and so, you know, for me looking at what happened, um, it really tugged on my heart just to, just again, to what we talked about, just, just, just to know and see that, uh, the, the community that we're living in is grieving. It, it really just, um, really just pulled, pulled on my heart. How's that like continued? I mean, so I think it can be easy to maybe in these moments, these like, it sounds like it's a really like really impactful moment that you guys had and in terms of just continuing to live there like how do you think you'll kind of continue to grow that heart or like does, does that make sense yeah i, don't know, I, I think to... it makes sense in, in that like i think in this season of my life i've been going through i i struggled a lot with school and some grieving of my own in the last couple of months and if anything it taught me was like I was going through the book Matthew about when Jesus says not to judge others, remove the speck from your eye. Because I think in this community and towards like gang population, I used to kind of look at them with like, I'm better than that because I'm not in this activity Um, and really moving forward and like seeing that like, whoa, my, my sin is big too. Like I have just because like my sin's different Hmm. and I grew up different. Like I am, I am no better different or than these other people who are also like Paul said, image bearers of God. And I think moving forward, I've been trying to really grow in that perspective of when I see somebody who's in our community may or may not be a believer, may or may not be a gang member to really not come at it from this, like I'm a better lens or to judge for anything that may have this person may have done because if, if I'm forgiven and made righteous, um, by Christ, like, so is this person, if, if they chose to, salvation and, um, to repent all those things, it's really taking that step back to really have compassion and really not judge these people for whatever it is hmm. that they've done. That makes sense. Totally. I don't know if that answered. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's yeah. helpful. Is there any just simple action steps for like a church or believers? And again, for our listeners, we're, we're talking to people who, maybe aren't as not and i'm not talking about paul and marissa specifically who we're talking to i'm talking about like just you guys as listeners like we know that a lot of people aren't in this context of having come from gang background and stuff like that and so um it's always is it's always it's always a sort of like how do we do this or what do we do and can you guys just maybe give some simple things that maybe if anything pops in your mind that like you could encourage people to do when moments happen or when we want to practice compassion. 
I think I'm going to steal something from June in the last podcast. I think June and Allison talked about, because I I thought it was such a great point that they talked about um, really being willing to learn from this culture and being coming in and really getting to know people, even if it's in small, um, small steps. So if it means like, you know, you guys do the food boxes. If you're, if you have some time to go with Danny or Brian to just say, Hey, we wanted to drop this off. You're just saying a couple sentences to them. And like, maybe they'll see your face and maybe recognize you. And if you show up to anything else, maybe it's, it's them being able to get a chance for you to also just enter into the lives of these people. Mm. But also like, it's not like you're making a huge commitment and it's not like if, if you're a little bit worried about like what to say, I mean, like Danny and Brian have like connections and they know these guys. So it's Mm -hmm. not like you're going to be there alone. Um, even though we haven't had a chance to show up to a car wash, I think that's also a tangible way. Um, and just, I don't know, just it's, it's small things where you don't have to make this big giant leap Mm. to, like I said, immediately go into evangelizing. It's really entering into someone's life and just saying hello, greeting people. I don't know, just remembering that this is just another person who maybe have, has a different experience or background, you know? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Paul, you have anything to add to that? Or yeah, just uh, piggyback on that. I think a year, maybe a year ago, you, Danny, you and I had, had done a, a food drop off. Oh yeah, that's right. We I think it was out in Montebello, Montebello, or Pico or, Rivera. That way. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think just just small tangible ways like that, and also just being not only just available. I think but also just keeping just being flexible, just being willing to just to go with the flow in terms of just whatever act of service that may look like. Mm. Um, whether it is a car wash or a food drive or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, cause I think in the beginning it's kind of like, how do I make a big change yeah. in this community yeah. or how do I make a tangible difference? I'm like, it is tangible to just do these small baby steps because if, sometimes you don't know what to say and you don't have to necessarily speak and, and be dialoguing forever with somebody. Yeah. Even if it was just like you talked about give like if someone gives, if you give someone a hug or just, are present, are there, I think even that could help you or anybody else who, if you're wanting to take steps to love this community in really um, empathizing. And, and if you are if you find it hard to kind of empathize or want to ha- be helpful towards this community because of reservations of whatever it may be, like and they're valid, I think that if you take small steps like that, that can really, God can really soften your heart. Mm-hmm. Um in those little things. And you don't need to feel like you need to make the big change because I think ultimately it's Amen. God who changes hearts. Yeah. He not only Amen. changes the hearts of um, people in the gang lifestyle or just in these communities, but also like, I mean, I, I see it in our hearts that mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. has changed our hearts and softened our hearts. Mm-hmm. And that was something that like, you know, a year ago I, I, I found it hard to imagine like, when Danny and Brian are saying like, these are ways that you could, you know, tangibly love on this community. I was like, oh, that's going to be really hard. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. what do I, what do I say? What do I, how do I not be awkward? And how do I relate when I don't mm-hmm. relate? But like, you can just b- relate by being a human being yeah. to them. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I love like, even as you're talking, I'm just thinking of different examples in scripture where like people just listened, like followed God and like stepped out in faith and like, it was like, but it's typically very minor things. It's like, you know, whether it's like on a battle, you know, all these Old Testament battles, like basically just like stand out there and like God shows up. And I think in the same way, like, like we believe that God is with us, in us. He's like given us this calling to love our neighbors and to move towards people. He, and, and, and his desire is that all men would like, you know, come to a knowledge of the truth and know him and, like as his people in any given neighborhood, like we kind of do, do we believe that he might want to use our simple, feeble little steps of faith? And it's just encouraging to hear that he is doing that with yeah, you guys. Absolutely. Um, as we, as we close, I just want to like reiterate, you talked about a couple of things. One, um, again, prayer, like being willing to go and pray. I think there's a backdrop here of you guys, you know, sought out, the church where you're growing, <laughs> like you're living over there, you're faithfully growing in this church. And then, um, you took some opportunities that you had to, to like develop your heart for 
like gangs and stuff, right? Gang people in that context and God used that. Um, you know, you had the citizen app, you had this Facebook, was it a Facebook group? Oh, Lincoln Heights group. A Lincoln Heights Intel. It's an Instagram. Yeah. Just like that learning (laughs) thing. And then like, as you did that, you had eyes to see opportunities, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's just a really helpful, instructive thing that like anyone listening to this can, can do that. Yeah. It's like you said, Marissa, it's finding opportunities to be learners. And in those opportunities to be learners, there's going to be opportunities to move and act. And like, yeah, Brian pretty much said everything with the, the learning opportunities. And um, if anything, too, for people like you guys, people might not think like, oh, I'm just going to follow this Instagram handle or this Facebook page or this Twitter handle or whatever and think like, okay, I'm just following. But like simple, like, I mean, turn it into an opportunity to like pray, like Follow something that's maybe in your context, like you guys follow the Lincoln Heights Intel. And I mean, it's even encouragement for me because I know I don't really do this. I'm not faithful with it, but like seeing what goes on in the city or your community and saying, oh man, like lives are lost tonight. Not driving it to like, oh my goodness, do we need to move out of the community? Mm -hmm. But oh, this happened. I don't know these people, but let me pray for them. And this is where I'm just like, oh, it's so instructive what you shared, Marissa. Like, as you pray, God puts almost like puts that compassion in your heart. Yeah. Like, like I didn't necessarily ask, like, Lord, right. make me more compassionate. I just, I felt that the heaviness. Yeah. I mean, Paul did too, right? Yeah. So, and so it's like, yeah. I think for me, it's like often I'm like, oh, I don't feel compassion. I heard this news story. I don't feel sad. That's where it ends. Where it's like, what if, what if like made a commitment of like, okay, anytime I heard, hear about something in my community, I'm going to pause and, you know. And it's like, what might God do, you know, in our own hearts? Yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for being here, you guys. It's a blessing. Um, I know that that I was super helped by it. And uh, hopefully everyone listening feels the same. People ever have questions or things for you or whatever, like, if there's ever, and this for the listeners out there, if there's any, ever with any of our guests, there's questions or thoughts you know, feel free to reach out to me and Brian. We can yeah. always communicate to Paul and Marissa if there's a question or thought or yeah, we would we'd love to again piggyback again off of anything that's been said in any episode. And so feel yeah. free to reach out. Thanks again, guys. Take care and we'll hear you. Uh, well, you'll hear us and someone else. Yeah. <laughs> next time. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> Woohoo. All right. Break. All right, bye. <laughs> this has been an episode of the Hope for the Hood podcast by Prodigal Sons Incorporated. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to Cornerstone West Los Angeles, where we host this podcast, Adam Bond for editing, and of course, those who regularly give to support the ministry of Prodigal Sons. Thanks for liking and subscribing. We'll catch you next time right here on the Hope for the Hood podcast.